0: The one of the songs we sang uh, is so beautiful. Um, Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. Speak what is true. Speak what is true. Why does the Lord need to speak what is true to our hearts? Don't our hearts know? I mean, we are learned, uh, intellectual, educated uh, minds and hearts. So, why is it needed? Uh, we're going to be talking about that a little. Uh, in the talk this morning. It's called Deception of the Heart. Um, One of my favorite artists of all times, I'm pretty sure he has a lot of fans in this house as well, John Mayer. Do we have John Mayer fans? Yes. Uh, He describes, uh, you already know which song I'm talking about, Uh, the song Half of My Heart, where he's battling uh, with his inability to truly fall uh, fall in love and commit Uh, to a woman, Uh, and and, uh, this is what he says, he says, I'm sorry, yeah, he says, half of my heart's got a grip on the situation, but half of my heart takes time, half of my heart's got the right mind to tell you that I can't keep loving you, oh, with half of my heart, and he says, half of my heart's got a real good imagination, but half of my heart's got you. Half of my heart's got the right mind to tell you that half of my heart won't do. Half of my heart is a shotgun wedding to the bride with a paper ring, and half of my heart is a part of a man who's truly never loved anything. Well, our hearts can really make it hard for us. And not just with love, I mean, uh, we know how it affects every area of our life be it our work, our family, um, uh, our heart affects our dreams, our our aspirations, our passions, everything. And today we're going to be looking um, from a passage in the Bible and uh, we're going to be looking at uh, one of probably one of the most favorite characters in the Bible uh, called David. And even if you are not a follower of Jesus, you would have probably heard of this guy, there are many songs that he's written, uh, but there are also songs that secular artists uh, have written about him and his shortcomings. Right? Um, uh, he's 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 probably one of the best singer-songwriters uh, there was. Um, he was probably one of the best warriors. Um, quite literally, he was the heartthrob of that nation, Israel, which he was in, and which God chose to bring Jesus. Um, and and uh, he was all the more important biblically because Jesus chose David to come, his line, his generation line to come uh, centuries later onto this earth. And here's the icing on the cake. He was known as the man after God's own heart. Isn't that amazing? If, someone, if I wanted a title, I think that would be something that I would want Though a hero of faith, um, he lived far from a perfect life. Uh, Though a man after God's own heart, he had moments where he were far from God's very own heart. And today we're going to be looking at one of those instances. And no, I'm not talking about Bathsheba. Usually when we talk about David Anderson, that's the first thing that comes to our mind. But I'm going to be going a little more earlier in his life. Uh, I'm going to be talking about this book called 1 Samuel chapter 27, uh, 27, if you're an explorer, this is part of the Old Testament of the Bible, the part of the Bible uh, before Jesus came. Um, and and uh, that's, that's where it's set. Uh, allow me to give us a little context into what's happening in this passage before we go right in. Is that okay? Everyone's with me? So David, um, he lived during the reign of Saul. Uh, and, and David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. And this was already when Saul was king. And, and even under Saul's reign, uh, David was being recognized for his amazing skills. Saul wanted him for his personal musician. And, and he also later puts him in the army and David goes and wins amazing battles. And, and people can't just withhold their praises for David. They go to the point of uh, saying, Saul was good. But David was amazing. And this was not just a gossip that was going on around in the households of Israel. This was in the streets. David was at such a high point, And Saul became extremely insecure of this guy. He even plotted to kill David. And here's where this happens. He chased him for seven years trying to kill him. And David, with the help of God, time and again, time and again, uh, escapes. And, and uh, there, was, there were chances where Saul was right at his hand, very vulnerable. David could kill him. But David says, no, I'm not going to kill the man the Lord anointed to be the king. He spends these seven years exercising and living his faith But in a strange turn of events, we find this passage at the end of seven years. Let's read it together. Uh, I'll read it and you can follow. Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of the Philistines, the enemy territory. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, he and the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. If you're not able to follow the names, that's okay. And when it was told Saul uh, that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. And the number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was over a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and made raids against Gersh, uh, Geshurites, the Girzites and the Amalekites uh, for, for these were the inhabitants of the land from of old as far as sure to the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land and would leave neither a man or woman alive but would take away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, the garments and come back to Achish. When Akish asked, where have you made a raid today? David would say, against the, ne, ne, against the Najib of Judah or against the Najib of Jeremilites, and against the Najib of Kenites. Pardon my pronunciation. And David would leave neither man or woman alive to bring the news to Gath, thinking, lest they should tell about us and say, so David has done. Such was his custom all the while he lived in the country of the Philistines. And Achish trusted David, thinking, he has made himself an utter stench to his people Israel. Therefore, he he shall always be my servant." Allow me to pray. Jesus, this morning, uh, thank you for speaking to us so, uh, so tangibly during the time of worship. Um, thank you for, uh, for drawing our hearts towards you during the time of worship. And, and uh, even as we go into this time of the talk, I pray that every word that I speak uh, will hit like sharp arrows to our hearts and make a lasting effect I pray that every word that I speak will be anointed and and Holy Spirit that you would speak every word through me and I will not speak a word uh, apart from you Uh, we we want to worship you because you are already here, speak to us Lord, in your name we pray, Amen just a small summary, basically David fled from his country, went to the enemy territory and uh, in the enemy territory, he would he and his 600 men would do secret raids on the enemies of Israel and come back to the Philistine king and say, hey, we attacked Israel. So basically he deceived them all these one year and four months, that's that's. That's the uh, summary. Uh, here's the framework that we're going to be looking at this morning. The first thing we're going to be looking at, the deception. Uh, the second thing we're going to be looking at is the departure. The third thing we're going to be looking at is the deliverance. Deception, departure, and the deliverance. Let's, let's go straight in. Um, then David said in his heart... Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of Philistines. David, after seven years of believing in God and finding faith through his trials, he finally says in his heart, You know what? I'm actually not safe here. I'm actually not safe here. I'm rather safe in the enemy territory and right in this previous chapter we were looking at 27 right in 26 was the incident where Saul uh, came and he was chasing David and and for that night he was resting in the cave that David was hiding and he was asleep David finds him asleep he and his men and his men are like here's the chance go for it kill him right away you are anyway the next king but David says i'm not going to lay my hand on this man And not just that, he waits till the morning to confront him and say, Hey, why are you chasing me? I had a chance, but I didn't kill you. And here's how Saul responds right before this. He says, then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. Despite all these incidents, seven years of God showing up powerfully, David, at the end of seven years, says in his heart, I am not safe here. I am rather safe in the enemy territory. Even the heart of the man after God's own heart was deceitful. Uh, the Bible actually talks about it and Jeremiah, one of the prophets says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it in earthly terms it probably made sense I mean, seven years of this guy trying to kill you and you're chasing you're, 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 you're escaping you're escaping, you're escaping and finally after seven years you're like, enough Enough. I am done fighting this fight of faith. I, I am. I am tired now. It probably made sense in human terms. What is our heart saying? What is our heart saying? The thoughts of our hearts are more powerful than we think. Think about me for a minute. Think, about, think with me for a minute. not about me. If we say <laughs> If we say in our heart God doesn't care about me it will show in the way we do life. No matter how many sermons we hear God cares about you and people around you are saying bro I care about you God cares about you if you say in your heart God doesn't care about me it will affect everything. If I say in my heart I deserve better than this Nobody needs to tell me. I don't need to tell anyone. I just need to say it in my heart. It will affect everything that we do. If I say in my heart, I come before others, I don't need to say it to anyone, but I will act like I need to come before others. And I'm willing to bet that we all have hearts like that of David's. Probably uh, we are tired of waiting on God. We are tired of walking with Him. Christianity is not an easy walk. It demands sacrifices. Every day it demands sacrifices. It is hard. There is a cost to pay. And probably we are at that place saying, you know what? I think I deserve better than this. I, I can't do this anymore. You don't need to say this to anyone. But if that's the thought in your heart, that is going to affect everything that you're going to do. How, what, are we, what are we seeing in our hearts with regards to our security at work? We're probably saying, I am done taking the high road anymore. I'm going to start playing this game their way. You're probably saying, I'm sick of being the doormat, just serving people, just serving people. Enough is enough. you probably not yet verbalized this. These are thoughts in your heart. I don't think God cares about my work. It's a very valid thought that we battle with. What are we seeing in our heart about our work? What are we seeing in our heart with regards to our security, our family's security? I don't think God is going to provide any breakthroughs. Just like Anand was sharing, I need to guard my family. It is my family. I don't think he'll come through. I don't think God cares about my family. See how these thoughts play with everything that we do. You know, one area that I constantly keep Uh, struggling with uh, especially in the last year of our marriage is my daily discipline of having a real good time with God in the morning and I'm pretty sure living in this city all of us do struggle with this and this is the area where my heart actually finds security and this is the area in which God actually speaks what is true to my heart and 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 see how my heart, the thoughts of my heart, play around around this area especially. It actually starts not in the morning. It actually starts the previous night when my wife and I are watching Netflix or Prime Video and, and the episode gets over at 10.30, uh, 11, and we know that it's the right thing to shut it down. But my heart goes like, listen bro, how can you sleep so early? I mean, you're in Bombay. Can you actually come to terms with leaving that episode on a cliffhanger? One more episode is fine. I mean, it's fine. You can wake up in the morning. You can, you've done that before. You can wake up in the morning. And then we go to the next episode. And before you know, it's past 12. And, and, even, uh, and, and uh, even at that point, it says, it's not too late. Don't worry, you'll be easily able to wake up. Is this relatable? Am I speaking to a crowd that doesn't really, Yeah. Then we turn the lights off, go to bed. And the moment you turn the lights off, go to bed, the first thought is, what's up with my Insta fam? Let me just go through one last time and see if I've got any replies on the story I uploaded. One last time, one, just one reply, and I go there. And before you know, I sleep really late. And, and in the morning, the alarm goes off. I wake up with a headache. And my heart says, You think you should sleep a little more longer? It's going to affect the whole day. How are you going to concentrate on the Bible? Just sleep in a little longer. And before you know, I wake up having probably a rush time or no time in the Word. And that affects every area, it affects the day. It, it, it's not that God will punish me in the day is that my heart has failed to find its security in God for that day we can only be deceived to the extent that our heart is already deceiving us and the world is telling us lies that our heart already believes or wants to believe in it's time we quit complaining and and blame shifting here's the thing At the root of all deception is a heart that doesn't want to trust God. And that's where David found himself. Let's see what he did right after the deception. It led to the departure. And so David arose and went over he and the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Mao, king of Gath. And the number of days that David lived there in this Philistine country was a year and four months. David immediately flees. There was no no contemplation. There was no gathering 600 men. Hey, this this is the thought in my heart. What do you think? Should we pray about this? The thought, immediate decision, come on, let's go. But here's the thing. David didn't just depart from Saul. The deception of the heart didn't didn't just lead to the departure from the problem, but it led to the departure from God himself. For this one year and four months of a stint in the Philistine country, the Bible doesn't record any instance of David coming to God or worshipping him. And if you if, if need one more reason it, uh, for David not, uh, not communing with God in this time, he lived, we can look at his life of how he lived as a bandit raiding countries, robbing them of their resources and, and, and he would come back lying to the king that he was under and, and deceiving him. And the Bible says, this passage says, such was his custom all the while, He lived in the country of Philistines. A Bible commentator called David Guzik, in his study, in his observations, he says, we have no record of any Psalms that David wrote during this time. This was not a high point in his spiritual life. He wasn't writing sweet Psalms unto the Lord. You know what? There are plenty of songs of David During those seven years that Saul was constantly chasing him. We read one yesterday. How beautiful was that? Saul was right there and David is writing a psalm and saying, my faith, my trust is in you. But in this one year and four months, there is no record of any psalms. The Bible records him acknowledging God and repenting only at the end of these 16 months in chapter thirty where David comes to the Lord, we'll we'll go to that in a while. Our problems can be doorways for our deceived hearts to depart from God. How have we departed from God in departing from the situations he put us in? How have we departed from God in departing from the situations he's allowed into our life? Why did David choose to depart from the problem and ignore God? The answer might lie in the question, what did David do in the time that he spent apart from God? Why did David spend all his time in the Philistine going on raids and fighting cities? A very learned answer could be David was a skilled warrior. Right from a young age, the uh, battles were his thing. He, he slayed lions as a shepherd. He slayed the giant Goliath uh, as a teenager. And as a young man, he starred in many wars, bringing many victories to Israel. And he's anointed as the king. But I, right after that, he spent seven years not being able to attack the guy who was trying to attack him. Seven years of escaping, seven years of fleeing from this jealous king Saul. But David couldn't do anything. He was afraid to lay his hand on the God's anointed. For David, obeying God meant that he would depend on God for his safety and not his skills as a warrior. Now that he is away from Saul and God, he is now free to go and do as he pleases. The skill or gift we enjoy the most is often the path we take to depart from God's plan. What is this gift of ours that, we, that is robbing our reliance on God's grace? At the heart of it, David trusted his own skills as a warrior rather than putting his trust in God to save him. What are we putting our trust in to save us? Let's see what happens uh, after that. The passage says, when it was told, Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. Wow! Problem solved, right? <laughs> the problem David departed from stopped seeking him. But the God David departed from didn't stop seeking him. How did, how did God chase this heart of David? by proving the lie of his heart wrong. David believed that he was safe in the Philistine territory and he fled there and got his own city from that king. But once uh, David went uh, to war with this Philistine king against Israel and while he was at war, this happens. When David, we see this in chapter 30, when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it uh, uh, right before this, what happens is the commanders of Philistines say, David, you can't come with us. This is a great chance for you to earn back Saul's favor because you're fighting against them. You will turn against us in the war. So he's sent back. So when he goes back, he and his men, they found their city destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in their spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found his strength in the Lord. David thought that this land in Philistines would keep him safe. That lie is proven false when in a raid their entire families were taken astray and David felt these 600 warrior men with me will stand by me. They are my men. I am secure. But when the time came, They were ready to stone him. In fact, everything David put his trust on gave way. And David found his strength in the Lord. And what happens next is the Lord... Ask him to go and attack this country, Amalekites who, who attacked, and, and I will give you victory. And David goes and, and, and uh, God saves the entire family and the 600 men's families uh, in that war. But here's the thing. Just like David, all of us have departed from God. We have ignored him, we have rejected him, and we have put all the trust that we need to put in God, in our own strength and abilities. And irrespective of whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, you know where that is taking us today in our world. Men believing and trusting in their own abilities and sources. This in the sight of a holy God deserved death. Death. But God sent Jesus His Son to deliver us. We we were stuck, we were dead in our own sinfulness. And a holy and and the only way we could be delivered, just like David was delivered, was if a holy and perfect sacrifice would go ahead of us and pay that price. So the all-powerful, almighty Son of God, Jesus chose to come down to this earth, live that perfect life of obedience and trusting in his Father that we should have lived. And at the end of it, he became the sacrifice for us. This this follower of Jesus in, in the New Testament, he says about Jesus who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient, by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. David failed to obey and submit to God's plan and give up his strengths and trust God. But Jesus, the perfect son, trusted in the Father so much so that though being in the very nature God, he didn't use it to his own advantage. He obeyed and he he humbled himself to come and pay the price that was needed. David failed to humble himself in trusting God to save him. But Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death on the cross. But here's where the tables turned. God saved sinful David, but God killed his only sinless and perfect son, Jesus, to make a way for you and I, Davids, to relate back with God. The cross is the proof that every lie that deceives our heart is false. Jesus didn't replace the lies of our heart by merely telling us the truth. He destroyed them by becoming the truth, giving his life as a ransom for all the the lies that we believed in. The cross made it possible for God to deliver our deceived heart, no matter how far we've departed from him. This morning, let me talk to those of us who are explorers, uh, especially if this is your first time here. How do you like the thought that there's a holy and perfect God who doesn't give up on us no matter how messed up and imperfect we are? We've had experiences of people giving up on us. We've even had experiences of us giving up on our own selves in moments. God doesn't give upon us because his perfect son, Jesus, already died for all the mess we've created. This is the kind of God that our hearts are longing to worship, friends. Would you want to try this Jesus this morning? And if you've been exploring Jesus for a while now and dealing with some legitimate fears, Which are crowding our heart from fully trusting and following Jesus. This morning, the cross is calling out to you again. Jesus is saying, I know your fears. I know the lies that your heart is telling you. I know them because I defeated them. I know them from a place of victory, and that victory can be yours. Would you be mine? Would you take the call? And tell Jesus, here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. If you're followers of Jesus, how are we underestimating the power of our heart's deception? One thing that is clear from David's story is, a great yesterday doesn't really assure a great today. If we've had an amazing victory of faith yesterday, it doesn't assure that it will spill over the next day and we can ride on it. We need the fresh grace of God every day. Our heart needs to hear this truth every day. And if we've been relying only on a once a week service or a once a week gap group, which are good, but if we've been relying on those we are truly underestimating our heart's power to deceive us and put our trust in our own selves. Would you, this morning, want to take that step of faith in saying, I want to, to find my security in the word of God every day. And if you want to do that and you've been struggling with it, join us, fellow strugglers, None of us have arrived, but we are willing to walk with you. Would, you. would you, in the next two weeks, plan to catch up with one person and say, Hey, you know what? I want to do this, but I'm struggling. Shall we do it together? Shall we do it together? I am available. If you want to do this with me, let's do this together. Our hearts really, really need to find its security in the word in Jesus, every day, every moment. And the call this morning is same for both the believer and the explorer. Jesus is asking for our hearts. Shall we bring it to Jesus? Shall we bring it to Jesus this morning? Allow me to pray for us. Jesus, we want to thank you because no matter how far our hearts are from you, because of the cross, because of the ultimate war you waged for our hearts against our sin, on that cross, it is never too far for you to come chasing after us this morning would you have our hearts we bring it to you jesus this morning take it speak what is true bring it to life shake it from the lies that we are believing help us to put our trust in you jesus we worship you lord in your name we pray amen